So I'm going to be reading from Colossians chapter 3 and just reading the first four verses. Paul writes to the church of Colossae and he says in chapter 3 verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the authoritative Word of God, the sacred Scriptures, God breathed. We just thank You for, for the Word that helps us to, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith but also to help us to stay on the narrow road and honour you and obey you, what everything your word says. So help us, Father. Help me now to preach from this passage, to encourage us, to build us up in Christ, but also that your word would fall and, and rebuke and correct and convict and train us in righteousness, Father. Teach us your truth so we can walk in truthfulness. But Father, help us all to listen. Jesus always said, he who has ears, listen. So help us to listen with obedience. And not only listen and become hearers of your word and therefore delude ourselves, but become doers of your word. Take to heart what the scriptures have to say. So Holy Spirit, do a great work in not only in me and through me, but in our own hearts as we listen to what your word says to us. Have mercy upon us. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Like I said earlier on, yesterday was Christmas Day. But my question to you, when you were celebrating Christmas, and if you do, was Christ at the centre of your day? Now I'm not talking about the pagan or the unbeliever, we don't expect that. But if we hear this morning, we are, you're telling me that you love Jesus, and that you had to worship God, and that you're a Christian. But remember, like Calvin says, there's the visible church and the invisible church. I only see the visible, so I assume. But if I hang around with you, I can also assume where, how much of the gospel you know and how much you don't. But let's just assume we're all believers and we celebrated Christmas yesterday. Was Christ at the center of your day? Meaning that did you give Christ the opportunity to come and have first place in everything. That's in everything. What you said, what you did, what you, what you had to drink, what you had to eat. Because there's a scripture verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. And if Christ is at the center of our day, then we will be doing things to the glory of God. That's the purpose. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him. And the only way we can enjoy God is if we are glorifying and honouring Him in our daily lives. But yesterday was a, was a lovely day. It was a day to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So in one sense there is already joy. But what about doing the same through suffering? Do we still keep Christ at the centre of our lives when we suffer? When we go through trials, because trials can cause us to grow cold. And cold in our love for Jesus. 
We can also abandon Him temporarily and our hearts become cold and, and stiff-necked and, and we kind of turn our back on Jesus. And then we just go through the motions of Christianity. It just becomes a motion thing. We maybe come here just out of obligation, out of duty. Maybe you're superstitious and you come here this morning. So it's easy to, to, to have Christ at the center of our lives when everything goes well. But do we have Him at the center of our lives when we suffer? Because if He's not when we suffer, we will accommodate to the world around us. We will start relying on the world's things and not on the heavenly things. So it's important that we know that. And I tell you this, God is going to test us through suffering. He's going to test us to see where our hearts are. Are they on the earthly things or are they on the heavenly things? That's why the Israelites wandered for 40 years. God was to test to see what was in their hearts. Suffering is good for us. But we have churches out there that are preaching that suffering doesn't come to us. It's because we have bad faith or we lack faith or because we sin. But we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. We're all walking different portions of faith. Some great faith, some small faith, some little faith. Jesus didn't say to the disciples, you had no faith when, he stepped out of the, when, when Peter started sinking, walking on the water. He said, your, your faith was little. They had faith. So, this morning, I want to encourage us to, to bring Christ to the center of our lives. There was a man that lived like this. And yes, we know Jesus lived like this. But there was an earthly man, a man that was just fully man. Remember, Jesus was truly man, truly God. Or some people say fully man and fully God. But there was a man that was just fully man that lived like this. And he gave it his best. And his name was John Colvin. He, he chose to live a life centered on Christ. This is, what, this is what was said of him. He was intent on bringing every sphere of existence under the Lordship of Christ. That's why Lordship salvation is important. We're not saved to do as we please. We are saved to fall under Christ, submit to His teachings, and walk in His ways, and walk in the same manner as He walked, bringing Him glory and honor. And this is Colbert. He, 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 he was intent on bringing every sphere of existence under the Lordship of Christ so that all of life might be lived to the glory of God. Can that be said of us? Not to make you guilty. Your guilt has been wiped clean the cross but it's to convict you of your complacency are you are we complacent are we just taking our walk with God for granted I'll be honest when COVID started in March 2020 everybody said this is going to do great things for the church I'm talking about Christians but I'm telling you now to this day we have become complacent through COVID-19 we've gone back to the old ways Maybe the COVID's going to be around for a long time until the church wakes up to becoming a servanthood church. Wakes up to, to doing everything to the glory and honor of God. Not perfectly, but given, it, given its best. So this morning I want to just go through two facts. We'll probably just look at one fact and then Lord willing catch up with the next one next Sunday. So those that weren't here today, I'll be able to just recap the first fact and bring everybody up to speed. 
but we've also got the Lord's Supper after this. But our first fact that we need to know to encourage us to live a Christ-centered life is our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And you find that in verse 3 of Colossians chapter 3. It says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That should bring tremendous comfort and security to our hearts. That if you are truly saved and God has called you and saved you through His Son, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's kind of perseverance of the saints. Nothing can touch you. Not even death. Not even Satan. You are more than conquerors through Christ. But my question, I want to pause here and ask this question. What other religion, what other worldview teaches us that our lives are hidden with their God? Think about it. No other religion. Not Hinduism doesn't teach us that. Islam doesn't teach us that. Buddhism doesn't teach us that. Judaism doesn't teach us that. But Christianity teaches us that. Reformed evangelical Christianity teaches us that. That our lives are hidden with Christ in God when we come to a saving knowledge of Christ, when God saves us. No other religion provides a saviour. That's why when you celebrated Christmas yesterday, it should have brought humility and tears to your eyes that, that a saviour was born to us. Tremendous hope and comfort in that. We have a saviour. We have a person who's going to rescue us from, guess what? The wrath to come. From judgment day. That's why when you hear these words, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, you should be so grateful and thankful for the birth of Jesus. All other religions teach us what we need to do in order to be saved and that your good works must outweigh your bad works. But there are people in the church, there's people that are religious. They will go to church to make sure that they are keeping up with their good points. They'll read their Bible, making sure they keep up with their good points. They pray. That's a kind of legalism. That's also superstitionism. We're not superstitious. We, we don't have to do anything. We are just saved by grace and now allow the same grace that saves us to instruct us for godliness. I've used this illustration over and over. When someone is drowning in the sea, or in the pool, or in the dam, what do you throw them? Do you throw them a manual and teach them how to swim? No, you don't. You throw them a rope, you throw them a life buoy. You want to rescue them immediately. And that's what we have in Jesus. We have a Savior who has come to rescue us from the wrath to come. Yes, we have the Bible that teaches us. Well, the reason why the Bible is given to us, and for me the reason is, because that is where God has revealed Himself. That is where God has made Himself known. So we get to know God. Like Colvin says, you want to get to know God? Read the Bible. But guess what? You're going to get to know yourself as well. 
Because when you read that Bible and you see God for who He is, you start seeing yourself as a wretched sinner. And you're walking through repentance every day. So we have a manual that not only saves us, but it also helps us to live and walk in a manner worthy of our calling, to bear fruit in every good work. So we have a rescuer. We have Jesus. And how did He rescue us? How did the other world religions, how were they rescued? Well, they weren't. None of their gods died for them. But Jesus, He gave Himself up willingly, voluntarily on the cross. There on the cross, He was crucified. There on the cross, His blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. It's important that we know this because Hebrew tells us that if the animals, in the Old Testament they sacrificed animals for the forgiveness of sins, the high priest did this ritual, but it was a foreshadow. It was pointing to the true, perfect sacrifice, the man Jesus Christ. But the reason why animal sacrifices were hopeless and useless because we are told in, in Hebrews 9, 9, um, by this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to the arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshipper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. That's Hebrews chapter 9, verses 9 to 10. And if you look at many religions, they deal with food and drink and washings and regulations in order to wash away people's sins. But Jesus did that for us. But He did it because, because of our conscience. If you go over to verse 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? It was for conscience sake that Jesus had to die. And we needed a man. We know that we can, I mean, the book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 4 that, that he was a high priest that, that well, I'll read it. Um, Hebrews chapter 4 gives us insight into, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's why our life needs to be centered on Christ, on the heavenly things, because where Jesus is seated. But we know that he just didn't arrive and then get zapped up into heaven. Through his, through, through, he learnt obedience through suffering. He went and he died on the cross to shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins, to bring us to God his Father. He died on the cross as a substitutionary sacrifice. He died in my place, your place. We deserve the penalty. We deserve to, to go to hell. We deserve the penalty for our sins. But he substituted himself 
in our place. And he died on the cross in our place. I think in the book of Revelation there's a beautiful verse. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And by his blood means by his sacrificial death. Jesus atoned for our sins by paying the penalty of our guilt as a substitute who made a sacrifice in our place with his own blood. And from that someone gave this beautiful quote, Ours were the sins. His was the blood. Let no man wonder hereafter if salvation is sufficient. Christ was the perfect man. And his sacrifice is sufficient to bring us to a true salvation. He earned salvation. The eternal salvation. And he's also the better promises. But there we see, if we look to Jesus, uh, he died on the cross, it was the righteous man dying for the unrighteous man to bring us to God his Father. To reconcile us to his Father. And that is a beautiful thing, knowing that Jesus not only died for us as a substitutionary death, but according to verse 3 of Colossians chapter 3, we died with him. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, faith in you, faith in Jesus, who died and gave himself for me. We have died with him. It's like a spiritual baptism. We have died with him. We are identified with him when we believe. And this comes out in Romans chapter 6. Verse 8 says, or, or Romans chapter 6, verses 6 to, verses 3 to, um, sorry, in Romans chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, we have the fullest explanation of this wonderful truth of us being identified with Jesus. Verse 3 says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 7 of chapter 6 of Romans. For he who has died is free from sin. And then we jump to verse 8. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him. We not only live with him, we are hidden with him. We are hidden with God through Christ. We have died with Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit who has saved us. And then also, according to verse 3 of Colossians chapter 3, our life is also hidden with Christ in God. That is such a privilege to know that our life is hidden with Christ in God. And that, that at this time of the year, when people are struggling and, and going through difficulty, as Christians, we can always go to Romans 8 and read that, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, that's Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If you're there, verse 31, 
What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who died did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Such great comfort in these words. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Why? Because our life is hidden with Christ in God. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because our life is hidden with Christ in God. And that should bring great comfort to our hearts. As Christians, we need to embrace the truth. We need to embrace Scripture. They should bring such great joy to our hearts. Yes, we have Christian experience and we're blessed by God when He answers prayer, but that loses its, its, its grip. It fades. But if we take root in God's Word and we hold on to the Scriptures, then we hold on to something that has substance and that's solid and that we can use to, to, to bring joy but the only way we can do that is if our lives are centered on Christ, if Christ is at the center of our lives. I think of a great example of, of two men that were discouraged because they, they knew that, that Jesus had, had died. And on the road to Emmaus, there were these two, two men and they, were, they weren't happy. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near. So, sorry, that's Luke 24, verse 15. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But the eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad, looking discouraged, looking despondent. They, they just, their friend had just died. The Son of God had just died. Then one of them named Clypus answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. And we know according to the scriptures on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead and here he's walking with them. But if we read on, and Jesus then says to them in verse 26, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then where does he take them? To himself. Look, here I am. 
In my exaltation, or not yet, he was, he, his exaltation happens when he is, when he is exalted into, or he, through his ascension, his exaltation happens. But he doesn't say, here I am, and he doesn't tell them, oh, life's going to be well, and don't worry. He, he takes them to Scripture. This is the most beautiful book we've been given in, 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 the, in the entire world, is to go to Scripture. And he says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who himself so then they drew near to the village to which they were going but then we pick up verse 30 when he was at the table with them he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight then they said to each other now listen to this. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us the scriptures? Too many Christians today are focused on blessings, experiences, whatever. They are not focused on the scriptures. The scriptures are so good for our heart. It wasn't the fact that they saw Jesus. It wasn't the fact that they experienced Jesus that, that did something to their heart. It was the sacred scriptures. And, and, and this is what Jesus has told them in verse 46. You are witnesses of these things. What things? We witness to the world the Scriptures. Because they have power for God unto salvation. And these are, are the Scriptures that, that bring us great joy and satisfaction. He who hungers and thirsts after Jesus will be satisfied internally. There's nothing wrong with having nice cars and good things, but they are temporary. And they can only temporarily satisfy you. And if a guy's preaching today in the pulpit and he's entertaining people, all he's giving his people is a spasm. And within a few hours, they're going to be back to normal. Reality's going to hit them because they have not grounded the, 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 their hearts in the truth in God's scriptures. And that's why, if our life is hidden with Christ, we need to ask ourselves the question this morning. When we sit here now, where is our heart truly hidden? Is it in the earthly things, in the worldly things, or is it in Christ, in the heavenly things? Because Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve earthly things and heavenly things simultaneously. You're going to despise the one. And I think that's the problem with the church there. All of us are so focused on earthly things that we are despising the heavenly things, the scriptures, the, 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 the sacraments, the, everything that God has given to us to please Him so that He can work through the church. Read the seven churches in Revelation. He's present with us. He's holding up the lampstand. Do they exist today? No. Christ, because Christ was no longer at the center of the church. We need to fix our minds on the things above where Christ is seated and seek the heavenly things so we can not allow the earthly things to come in and contaminate us and pull us and draw us away from the scriptures and Jesus Because before God saved us, we belonged to the things of the world. We relied on the things of the world. John warns us, do not love the world. 
If you love the world, the Father cannot be in you. He's talking about the philosophies of the world, the things that, that take God off the throne in your heart and you put the worldly things on the throne. Yeah, he, we have to live in the world. We have to live amongst the people. But do you love the world more than the heavenly things? Do you love the earthly things more than the heavenly things? And the reason why, and we'll look at this, Lord willing, next Sunday, the reason why we need to have Christ at the center of our lives, because when we break out into the rest of, of, of the book of Colossians, we see from chapter 3 onwards it becomes practical. We need Christ to be at the center of our marriage and our parenting as, as employees and as an employer as well. We need Christ at the center of everything so that we can reflect His glory into the lives of people. So we'll look at that more at our second fact, Lord willing, next Sunday. But this first fact that we looked at to encourage us to, to have Christ at the center of our lives or to live a Christ-centered life is to know that our lives are hidden with Christ Jesus. But will we be challenged this morning? Will we be challenged to to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow Christ according to the Scriptures, that we will go to the Gospels and learn about this, this, this man of God and then walk in the same way as he walked. We'll never be like him. So don't even try. But John tells us in his first letter, and you know that we're working through this letter as a church, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. How? Loving, caring serving, rebuking, correcting, doing His Father's will according to His Father's will. So will we look to the cross and be challenged to know that our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be done away with so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, I'm not talking about perfectionism. But I'm talking about if you are still practicing sin. If you're not doing anything about your sin, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul writes about that to the church of Galatia before he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. If you practice these things, we all sin, we all mess up, but we can ask God to forgive us and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. But I'm talking about if you are practicing sin, then maybe you have not been set free from sin. Maybe you have not died with Christ and you're not hidden with Christ in God. Because we need to put off sin and we need to no longer seek the earthly things, but we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and seek the heavenly things. So we can live a life centered on Christ. The great theologian Augustine was saved through these verses. This is how he came to saving knowledge of Christ. In um, Romans 13, he did one of those things we tell you not to do. He just opened his Bible and there he put his hand on this verse and it said in verse 13, and this is what he was caught up. He was caught up in sexual immorality. He was caught up in sensuality. He was caught up in orgies. He was caught up in drunkenness. This was Augustine, the great father that we have as a church father. 
And this is what he read. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. But listen to this. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And the only way we can do that is if we are living a Christ-centered life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you for the, the sacred scriptures. But forgive us, Father. We do sin. Be merciful to us. We know as your children you will chastise us because you love us. So, Father, help us. Father, help us to, to really reflect on this passage today, sometime in our quiet time. Help us to, to seek the things above where Christ is seated so we can have a life centered on Christ, that we can have a Christ-centered life, and that he can, be, he can come to have everything, can come to have first place in everything in what we do. Father, forgive us when we don't. But help us. Help us now as we come to the Lord's table to be reminded of what Christ or what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Help us, Father. Help us to not take our, our walk with you lightly or flippantly. Help us to grow up out of our complacency. Help us to, to really take up Christ, take up our cross daily and fight the good fight for the sake of Christ. Help us, Father, please. Help us to have Christ at the center of everything, in our homes, in our marriage, in our parenting, in the workplace. When we walk in the streets, when we go to the malls, may we have a, a lifestyle that reflects your glory and your honor into the lives of people, through what we say and what we do. But give us boldness, Father, to testify and witness for Christ as well. These things that he has told us in his word, which point to him as Lord and Savior. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.